1: Welcome back to Bloomberg Surveillance. It's 830 on Wall Street. I'm Michael McKee. Economic Indicators brought to you by Commonwealth Financial Network. When it's time to change the conversation, talk with a broker-dealer, RIA, that's ready to listen. Call 866-462-3638 or visit Commonwealth.com to learn more. One number this morning, out early this morning, of course, the NFIB small business optimism learn? number falls from 93.9 to 92.9. Some question about... Um, what it actually means, that's the uh the issue with the small business numbers. Uh plans to hire, little changed, uh no change in selling prices, no change well little little decline in capital spending, but still uh still higher. So all in all, not telling you that uh, things are are terrible, but uh a little slower. Uh, so I don't I you know, this is a good question for our next guest to ask, you know, whether the NFIB survey tells them a whole lot.
2: Yeah you want to bring him in? you want me to bring him in? You go right ahead. I'd like to bring him in because I was trying to think of a name the other day and I couldn't get it through my little brain. Fortunately, Dr. Mark Zandi came to the rescue. As we go back to the 30s and look at Charles Coughlin, who frankly nobody remembers except he was a huge deal in the ferment of economic depression. Mark Zandi, you bring up Charles Coughlin in your research note is being the one that said radio was a tool to get the masses going. We're seeing the same thing today, aren't we?
3: Yeah, yeah, Tom. That, uh, that was an op-ed about the Trump-Bernie uh, Sanders phenomena and uh, just uh, trying to point out that uh, we've been through this before, something yeah. similar back in the 30s. And Father Coughlin was a very strident voice, uh, kind of expressing the same kind of concerns that many people feel today that is you know, manifest in, in what's going on politically.
2: I mean, it's always there we somehow get through it. Do you have the confidence as a nation we will move on as we did from, say, the Coughlin of 32, 33, with some recovery, even if we stumbled in 37 again?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm optimistic. I mean, uh, I think it's Warren Buffett that says never bet against the American economy. I, I think that uh, that works. Um, you know, I think a lot depends on the economy and, and the idea that it will continue to improve, that will create a lot of jobs, that will get to full employment, that wage growth will pick up. If all that happens, and I, and I think it will, then I think this this angst, which is real and, and you know, based on something, you know, clearly uh, fundamental, will begin to
2: fade uh, away and, and our politics will normalize. Yeah. Help us, and you've been so good at this over the years, to frame the GDP growth rate we need to get escape velocity On the anger, Um, a lot of people use that is 3.2 percent. We're nowhere near that. Do we do we frame 2.8 percent is the new 3.2, and is that enough oomph to get us away from the divisiveness that we see now?
3: Well, I think we're there t- now, Tom. I mean, uh, you know, underlying uh, GDP growth is, say, closer to two, but at two percent, we're creating a boatload of jobs. I mean, we're pre- creating on average over 200,000 jobs per month, two and a half, three million a year, and that's what we've been doing consistently for four years. And that's a lot more than we need to absorb the growth in the working age population. It means that unemployment, underemployment will continue to decline. So we're, we're, we're getting the kind of growth rates that we need. Uh, you know, it would be, it will become more of an issue going forward if uh, if we don't see stronger GDP growth because we'll run out of people. We just won't have the bodies, and if we don't uh, see productivity growth and GDP growth pick up, then we'll have more of an issue. But just one quick sidebar on that. Please, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not convinced that we're measuring GDP right. Um, you know, two it doesn't feel like a two percent world to me. It feels like a three percent world. Uh, and I think we are missing a lot of uh, GDP output that's going on out there, and I think that will become clearer over time once we get better at measuring these things.
1: Well, the, uh, the, the, the level of GDP, uh, whatever the statistical number is, is probably not going to impress people so much as seeing more money in their paychecks.
3: Yeah, exactly. Uh,
1: so when does that start to change? Does that start to change just because we see unemployment fall? Or has something changed in society because it's not just a, a question of, you know, hourly wages, but uh, income inequality has gotten so big, me and household income isn't rising. Uh, overall, it just seems that uh, the I mean, obviously labor's share of, of, of capital is has declined.
3: Well, it's, it, that's uh, rolled over. It's changing because, you know, we've been in a world of, uh, of high unemployment, high underemployment, and that's depressed wage growth, and uh, you know, stuck it to lower income, middle income households. But you're right; their median, the median wage hasn't increased, and their living standards haven't improved. But here we are; uh, we've created a lot of jobs. Uh, the unemployment rate is 4.9. The U6 underemployment rate, which is you know, it's a broad measure of slack, is now at 9.7, and we're very, very close to those levels that were consistent historically with full employment. And that will lead to stronger wage growth. And I think it's already happening. You can see it to some degree in the Bureau of Labor Statistics data. You can see it in the ADP data. That's a payroll process, the processing data that we put together. Mm-hmm. And it's happening. And I think a year from now, again, if we continue to – uh, stay on this trend line with strong job growth. We're going to
2: see much now, stronger wage growth. Mark Zandi with us, uh, with Moody's Analytics as we look at, uh, the growth that's out there. Of course, we get a lot of mail from people saying, Dr. Zandi, what are you smoking? Uh, is they don't <laughs> feel that they're a part of it. Uh, but we'll continue this discussion on a better than good, uh, GDP growth. We thank all of you for listening. We thank you all for your messages. They come in in any way, any form off the Bloomberg terminal. Bill emails in. He's a student. Of Depression history and uh, notes, Father Coughlin uh, was a big influence. Many would say a poor influence during the Depression. I was reading, uh, Mike, about the effort, literally a 10-year effort to get the guy off the air. Yeah, And he was protected by his bishop of Detroit at the time uh, until the war came along. And then basically they said with the war... You got to go. Well, thank you, Bill, for emailing it. Greatly appreciate that. Futures, negative nine. Dow futures, negative sixty-one.
1: Time to check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines.
4: Michael, Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Republican and presidential and Democratic presidential primaries will take place today in several states, with the biggest in Michigan. Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders campaigned in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Sanders thanked his supporters while ribbing Republican front-runner Donald Trump.
2: In Nebraska, there was a huge turnout. We won there by... You're right. I should have said huge turnout.
4: Senator Marco Rubio campaigned in his home state of Florida yesterday. Rubio spoke in Tampa.
2: If I'm our nominee, I will unite this party. This party is fractured right now. And this party will be even deeply fractured if we nominate someone that 30 percent of the people in the party don't like or don't want.
4: Florida's primaries are a week from today. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says he canceled plans to visit President Obama later this month after he notified the White House last week that he probably would not make the trip. The Obama administration expressed surprise to learn about the cancellation. Today is the two-year anniversary of the disappearance of Malaysia Airlines Flight 370. Global news, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom?
1: Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update with John Stashow. All right,
0: Mike, the NCAA tournament begins next week. There could be a heavy local presence, even in a year where St. John's and Rutgers both went 1-17 and in conference play. Seton Hall should make it in. Stoney Brooks got a good chance. They will play the America East Final Saturday. Either Wagner or FDU's going. They'll play the Northeast Final tonight. And Iona College. Heading to the NCAAs, the Gales beat Monmouth 79-76 in the Metro Atlantic Final in Albany. And even with the loss, Monmouth may get an at-large invite. The Hawks had several impressive non-league wins. Hofstra denied the pride, missed 12 straight shots over the second half, lost the Colonial Final in Baltimore to North Carolina Wilmington 80-73. In overtime, Golden State bounced back from the embarrassing loss to the Lakers, beat Orlando. That's 45 consecutive home wins in the regular season. That's a new NBA record. Big question entering the Peyton Manning retirement presser in Denver. Would he be asked about the 20-year-old allegations of an incident involving a female trainer when Manning was at Tennessee? Brought to light recently because it was part of a Title IX lawsuit against the school. He was.
4: Well, you know, first of all, this is a joyous day and nothing can overtake from this day. I think it is sad that uh, some people don't uh, uh, understand uh, the truth and the facts. And uh, I did not do what has been alleged. And I'm not interested in Relitigating something that happened when I was 19 years old. The
0: rest of the day was the celebration of Manning's brilliant career, and when pressed on why he was retiring now, he kept saying it was simply the right time. With the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update, I'm John Stasher.
2: John, thanks so much. Greatly appreciate that. Of course, the Euro 11020. Uh, yen was a 112 handle. we give given back a little bit uh, uh, stronger yen this morning, 113.04. i I'm going to call it a churn in foreign exchange. Oil, green on the screen versus the risk-off field, 38.18 West Texas. Brent, a lofty 41.30. You heard Bruno Stanziel of Eurasia Group uh, really push against the Goldman Sachs theme, published theme this morning. Goldman saying, uh, don't be so sure, and Bruno Stanziel more optimistic about a range-bound New range for oil, 4133 on Brent. This is Bloomberg surveillance. Coming up, the Fed meets next week.
1: They've already accomplished most of what they forecast for 2016. So what do they do? We'll ask Mark Zandi here on surveillance. If you